Hey, everybody. It's uh, Friday night. Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. We've got Brian Karstens of Karstens Amplification on the show tonight. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, oh, man. Absolutely. Great to meet you and have you on the show. I've heard a lot about your amps, as we were talking about last night. Yeah, that's great. That's the plan, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're the hot man on the... Uh, I guess uh, of the year so far. Hey, I need to. Did I get anything for that? <laughs> or, you get a just headache. <laughs> just headache and problems. <laughs> you got the 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 curmudgeon, the old curmudgeon talking, and the the new uh, the new guy. Uh, <laughs> the new guy to the scene. I'm the old curmudgeon. Is that what I am? Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. Cheers. 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 I, I'm not What drinking. are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, scotch. So am I. Oh, good for you. What kind? You I'm drinking uh, Ben Romick, which is a single malt peated. I don't know that one. Yeah. I have uh, the Belzini. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bullwood. Uh, that someone was nice enough uh, to give me of an, um, and uh, I'm forgetting his name. I'm sorry. I repaired his diesel for him. Um, diesel Demol. Yeah. Do you have people ever just want to pay you with things and not money? <laughs> money? Uh, no. Uh, they pay me money and they also give me thanks. <laughs> So you won't just take alcohol in, pay, in terms of payment. I mean, you know, potentially I might take something if it was really cool in, in lieu of payment. Um, you know, maybe, you know. Yeah. I, it, it just, I guess it would depend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. I see Pete Thorne. What's up, Pete? I see Michael <laughs> Nielsen. We got all the YouTuber guys. Um, and all the guys that were working on. Yeah. Ben Coombs. Carson's amps. <clears throat> yeah 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 but both pete and michael did great videos of your your amp. Really did. did michael get his full video out or was it a first look video i saw the first look video first look yeah so it was like what a 10 12 minute something yeah put out yeah um, is he doing another one or is that just what he's doing that might be what he's doing um we're still talking mm. so, yeah he did a great a great job um Michael's great. Pete's great. Everyone, the feedback from those guys that, that I've gotten from uh, from people on from those guys' videos is is awesome. So it's great, great guys to have in your in your posse, right? Just to swamp you a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, both those guys make incredible sounding demos. <clears throat> um, yeah. I told, I, I think I probably told each of them, but the difference, you know, that it makes when you have a somebody who knows sound or a good player demonstrate something, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, and they know how to mic an amplifier and it's just, yeah. yeah. It makes not, life easy. Yeah. Yeah. They make it look easy. Yep. They make and it it's look not, easy. it's not easy. It is not as, <clears> as, <throat> as someone who's tried to do home recording. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, those guys really know what they're doing. So kudos to them. Yeah, yeah, and great players. I, I'm I'm psyched that Michael Nielsen's coming out with. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, he has a single that he oh. just released, and he's working on an album, which 
why not? I mean, he's a killer player. So, yeah, I'm cool. jealous. I wish I had his fingers. <laughs> yeah, Michael's Michael's great, and um, I didn't realize the extent of all the uh, the soundtrack and, and scoring that he, he does. So I'm oh, yeah. here to check that out because I uh, I flirted with doing that at, at one point in my life. So oh really? Yeah, and then Pete, I saw him perform with Chris Cornell years ago uh in rome at this tiny bar and this is amazing well i saw every time him and chris came through chicago which was a lot i, I was made sure to see them but um yeah really really cool that's cool you got to see chris cornell that's chris he's the greatest gosh uh -huh. yeah what a voice i never got to see them what a voice what a songwriter what a guitar player he um Really interesting chord structure. This really interesting arrangements he did. It was it's a really unique guy. Yeah. 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 Crazy tunings. Yep. Yep. Made it look easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's really cool that Pete got to play with him. Um, so, all right. So we were talking about Nam before the show, before we got on. Uh, and I'm surprised that they're doing it again so soon in January. So that's 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 cool. Well, they're just trying to they get back to the normal schedule, you know. Normal set. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, reminds yeah. me as I'm pulling my shirt, guys. Check out Sweetwater. <laughs> <laughs> right here, <laughs> right here. Check out Sweetwater.com, our sponsor of the show. Um, if you have anything to buy, please check out our link. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. It just gives us a you know, a little throwback to the show and also fixpedalboards.com. Please check them out. Um, Tim over there has got great accessories for your pedal boards. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So Brian, you've been a busy man. Gratefully busy. Yeah. Um, I'm very thankful and, and I love it. So thank you everybody for helping me keep busy. Yeah. Yeah. How long you been, uh, working on amps and doing your own thing. And what did you do before? <clears throat> uh, well, before, probably as, as many, is <laughs> just a guitar player, you know. Um, you know, my story was one of picking a path and doing whatever it takes to do that path. Uh, very determined to, to have a career in music didn't work out for you know I'm, I'm not a rock star and um none of us <laughs> none of us are but uh i uh i mean i started getting into recording engineering uh after high school and you know the, the industry was this was the late 90s so the the industry was changing with garage band and home recording and a lot of student there's a lot of studios you know at that time around i was in uh around grand rapids michigan uh where i grew up around there uh at the time there's a lot of studios and uh you know you sort of see in the writing on the wall with people are doing home demos now and, and they're they're the bread and butter of the studio with a band coming in and doing this you know little ep or a demo or something kind of start going away you're working late, you're working inconsistently. So 
it, I realized it wasn't really the lifestyle that I think I wanted to keep going down. Um, and so I was just like, I, you know, I was saying film scoring was, was a, a pursuit that I, I started to, to consider seriously. Um, ended up meeting my, my now wife and we lived in Michigan for a couple of years and then we, we came to Chicago. She's, she's from Chicago and, and uh, there's just a lot more opportunities here and uh, started working in anything music, um, retail, music, retail, theaters. Um, I ended up getting a job at a, this high-end sort of rehearsal space called the Music Garage. And uh, they had just, they were just starting like open. I had to like find people to fill the rooms and stuff. And there was a guy there uh, named Tim Schroeder and he had, he was an amp builder and a, uh, and a guitar maker and he'd been doing it for a long time. And, uh, you know, we, we just developed a friendship. And then one day he asked me how I liked working there. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine for now, but it's not, it's a, it's a step. So he's like, if you ever want to come work for me, I'd love to have you. And I wasn't a tech. Um, so a couple months later, I took him up on that, that offer and, he was like right around the corner and he's like started, you know, training me as a, as a guitar tech. And he, he had really high standards. He was really particular about everything that he did. And uh, so I started doing that and I, I found myself drawn more toward uh, the electronic side of things, which surprised me. Um, I would think I'd rather hold a guitar and, and, and then, but I was drawn to these amps and stuff. So I told him and, like two weeks later, he fired the amp guy <laughs> and he's like, you want to be the amp tech? You're the amp tech now. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and this was the early 2000s. So, um, so I had to learn really quick and get really good really fast. And you do that all day, every day. And there's bands coming around touring, you know, like Deftones and Lenny Kravitz and, you know, all these people. Um so I worked for him for, I think, five or six years. And then he decided to sort of simplify things and go down to be a one-man shop. So Chicago Music Exchange is in Chicago here, of course. And um, he put in a good word for me there. And then I had to convince the owner of Chicago Music Exchange to, to have an amp repair business. They didn't have amp repair. They had guitar repair. Uh, and so David called the owner. Um, I convinced to give me a chance and to, to start a department. He, at the, at the time he was actually starting reverb.com. Um, oh, okay. So that you might know the name. Um, I do know the name. I actually, I talked to him briefly. Yeah. So he owns, still owns, uh, from what I understand the Chicago music exchange. Right. Um, but he started reverb at the time. It was one guy in, a, in the corner at a computer and he's like, that's the idea I'm working on. It's called reverb and it's this marketplace thing. Like, cool. Yeah. So I got to see that whole, I mean, that was like a small room and then it was two rooms. And then it was a building across the street and then it's a whole thing. Isn't that that's, insane. Yeah. 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 So I was, I was witnessing that firsthand. Uh, but I ran that, the amp repair business there for seven and a half years. Um, and they do lots of vintage, right? So 
inspecting, authenticating repairs off the street, all the street buys they do. Um, Clearly, that was a smart idea for them to do it. Yeah, it, it worked well, and I loved it, but it was not something I wanted to do. For, I didn't want to repair amps. The rest of your life. Yeah. So I'm working there, and I'm thinking, what better place if I'm ever going to start a brand that I have this machine around me of marketing, photo studio, they have a shipping department, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I'm surrounded by musicians. Every employee there is a guitar player. And I, so I, that was, I, I made some prototypes and, and you know, I, I kicked it off. Um, I formed the company officially in 2015. And uh, it was a side project for, for five years, but for four or five years. Yeah. And then I, January 2020, my wife and I decided this was the time to, to make it stop being a, a side business. Because, I mean, if you're a dad and a husband and you've got a full-time job, it's hard to, it's hard to also do amps and, and all that stuff well. You can do it, but to, to really do it. And if I'm going to do something, it's going to be done well. So um, we made that decision. And then three months later, COVID hit. So... Um, you know, I ended my time there and, and jumped into Carson Amps full time. So, wow, yeah, that must have been a scary time, especially. It was, yeah, <laughs> it was it was really interesting time, and it was a weird litmus test for the first year of business or two years, right? Like, is this working because of the pandemic? Is it is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. now. We're, we're a little bit out of that and you can look back and say, wow, people were, they were buying a lot of gear. Um, so it was actually a really good time to do it. I thought it was a horrible time to do it. I'm like, how, how am I starting, you know, going to do this full time and no one's got money. It's counterintuitive. It seemed counterintuitive. It really did, but it's just like, wow, everybody was buying shit during that time. It's crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, I, um, I did a lot of work with pumpkins over the years and, and, uh, you know, Billy and I started talking more serious and fast forward because we can talk about the origin of it all. But when we did the, the video together, that kept getting bumped further and further because I'm like, I don't know if I want to launch this product yet because I don't know if there's a market right now <laughs> for a for a luxury amplifier. Right. Uh, and uh but i'm like i gotta do it we gotta put it out finally and we did and, and it's been it's been a success so you know knock on wood it's crazy it's crazy how that that happened but that's well our, our first question actually is from michael nielsen he um he wants to ask about the billy corbin grace amp uh was there a reference amp that you guys were shooting for or was it a build it from scratch tone thing Um, there wasn't necessarily a reference amp. Um, Billy is somebody who does not like to repeat himself. Um, which is why the catalog is so vast and so, uh, varied. Mm. Um, so when we first started talking, he, he said, yeah, he, he would like to, 
to work on something. He's looking for uh, some new Sonics, as he put it. And um, he had some ideas of what he wanted. Didn't want a Marshall. Um, you know, he, he's done that. And, you know, he, he was saying there's never been a high gain amp that I like, that I really like. I've never played one that I really like. Well, he's played a lot over the years. And they've done the part, and he's liked them enough, but he's not—he hasn't fought, fell in love with them. So, um, so you know, it's like, what do you got? Okay, well, see if I can take a crack at this, this puzzle no one's been able to solve in thirty years for you. You know, <laughs> um, and there were certain tones that he was—he was after. I mean, he loves a cranked supergroup. That's like his favorite amp, Laney supergroup. Um, the Tony Iommi sound, right? He's a huge Iommi fan. Um, there's some things about Diesel that he likes, but things that he doesn't like, you know, has, has a nice girth to it. There's things about, um, I can't remember, you know, he referenced a couple records that he likes the sounds of and stuff like that, but that's kind of where it started. And uh, I said, all right, give me a few months and I'll come at you with, with something great. And, uh, and it worked out, yeah. I, it was really cool. I went to his studio when I had the prototype. I reached out, Billy, I got this the prototypes ready for you. Reached out, brought it to his studio up in north side of Chicago here. And uh, he was super excited and he's like showing me some, some cool stuff. He had just gotten a, a KK Downing's old Marshall. <laughs> oh, wow. He was really uh, geeked about it. He's like, you know, um, but we put it on the cabinet and he starts playing through it and and I fiddled with the knobs and stuff and he got this he's like, Hold on right there. And he looks over at Jimmy Chamberlain and he's puts this big smile on his face and he starts playing the riff to Shiva. And I was like, This is great. He's like, This is awesome. Can we keep it? <laughs> like, you can yeah, I, I made it for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so and then we, we started, you know, talking about doing a, a production thing, so a limited thing. Wow. Wow. So you and I were talking last night, actually. You were telling me the uh, the 100 watt is different than the, the 20 watt. Yeah, same but different. Um, and Dave, you might uh, relate because, you know, an amp like the JJ and the JJ Jr., those kinds of things. 100 watt. I mean, there's nothing like it. It's a big, bold, especially the grace. It is a loud, capable of being loud. People always say it's so loud. Well, it's got a volume control, so it's capable of being loud. Right. You know, 800 horsepower Aston Martin, you don't go 300 miles an hour in it. It's got a gas pedal. It feels different, right? Yeah. That's that's the charm of it, it the feel. Um, it's great. That's a great analogy really is yeah um it's too loud for me you know it's not i get what you're saying but think about what you're saying um so the grace do the 20 watt version is it's pretty much the same circuit you know a couple small tweaks here and there but it's different transformers there's a different power supply different mm -hmm. tubes uh power tubes so yeah it's got the same the same flavor but the mid-range is a little different it cleans up a little bit, maybe dirtier because it's 20 watts, you know. Um, and I wanted it to be that way. I I didn't want it to be 
exactly the grace 100 watt at 20 watts. You know, I could have picked transformers that were a little bit more toward the 100 watt, but it's cool if you have the 100 watt and the 20 watt. They both have they have their own, you know, space. They can they complement each other really well, so it's cool. Well, that's cool. Um I actually I'm pulling up your website just so we can talk about some of the amps. But before I do that, we got a question from Jay Bus for Dave. Dave, does Warren still own any Levi modded Marshalls? Am I saying is it Levy? Levi modded Marshalls? Levi. Okay. Also, what came of the six that George Lynch hauled around under the under lock and key tour? I have no idea what happened to the amps from George. Um, Warren did have a Levi modded Marshall. It became something else um, that I did. <laughs> uh uh, his main amp is still modded by Frank, his main old Plexi, and you know, in in reality, it's um, it's a JCM eight hundred front end that he just cranks the master master volume in it. So in reality, it's it's a Plexi cranked. With just a little more gain with the 800 stage, the extra stage that's in there, um, it, it's like a totally different thing. Because Warren's like, really, it's an 800 front end. I hate 800s. <laughs> hmm. And I go, well, yeah, but but have you ever really cranked an 800 on 10? <laughs> you know, like the master. It's a different thing, you know. And gain back at like five or six, and then the power section dimed out. You're getting all the saturation from the power section. And then, you know, it's just a slightly hotter front end. And with the big bright cap that's on the game pot, when you have it down around five and six, it's 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 giving you that kind of uh, high pass filter. So the low end isn't so mushy, you know, and uh, and and it's kind of tight then, you know, it's it's, it's like a plexi with more game, a slight, slightly more game mm. snarl. So that's really sort of what they were. The other amp I saw was the same exact thing, but it had a post-phase master in it. So you, you could knock it down, kind of simulating sort of the same thing without without having, without cranking it. But the Plexi Warren, you see, he just cranks it. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, oh, he uses a power station now, though. So he can mm. tame, it, tame it a bit. Mm. It's not like the old days. Some... <laughs> lower the volume well, yeah yeah and he's already got enough hearing damage yeah that's, that's what i was gonna say uh buck wild wants to know can you share a bit of what you did for the deftones i assume that's for brian perhaps yeah i mean i i've serviced some of their gear over the years when when uh they're on tour they would come and uh, have me work on it um that that famous green, that old Metamp, you know, green. <laughs> yeah. That, that, um, they got. So yeah, it was it was servicing amps and, and making sure that they were ready for for uh, playing the show and get through the show. It's it can be surprising sometimes when if if you're a tech, the local tech at a place that gets you know uh, 
quality bands that are on tour and the techs of the band bring it in they're like can you we're like we don't know can you fix it and like why aren't you the tech shouldn't you and yeah, no that's not a thing <laughs> yeah, <they're... laughs> yeah i'm just the guy yeah so yeah no it was it was what i did was making sure their stuff worked for the show so cool uh, question from Dollar Store Rockstar. What's going on? Thank you for the super chat. Punishment questions. Brian, any stories you might share about working with Mike McCready? Um, I don't have... Well, I I met Mike um, and we chatted we chatted and stuff like that. I, I haven't done work for him. Um, he really, really likes the, the warm machine amplifier that I, that I make. Um, and we just like, we were actually talking about Chris Cornell a lot, um, which was really cool because Mike, obviously friends, longtime friends, right? he was, he's, uh, talking about him. This was obviously when Chris was alive. Um, like he was excited to play with his friend, Chris. He's like, I'm really looking forward to playing with him where they were going to do a bunch of, uh, temple of the dog shows. Oh man, I love it that album. Yeah. I was talking to him, and, and he was like, "I just love playing with Chris. He's so great." I'm like, "Your friend Chris Cornell? Yeah, he's amazing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great album. Um, yeah. I wish I could have seen that. <clears throat> Did they ever get to do any shows as Temple of the Dog Re reunited? A couple. Yeah. I think they did a few, at least in Seattle. I think they did a few. Okay, cool. Uh, the next question is for Dave. Dave, I was saddened to hear you say bigger gauge strings have smaller tone in our email exchange. Can you explain this a little bit? Someone someone did a good video on this. I think it was Rick um, Beato, right? I think it was Rick Beato, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Rick yeah. Beato. You, you should maybe watch the video. Um, in my experience, like the bigger the string, it just it tends to just the amp doesn't breathe. It just bogs it down, and it just really... Uh, you have to have a certain kind of amp rig to really handle that. It, it can be done, but um, it just winds up being dark and kind of loose-sounding, and generally with the lighter-gauge strings, it opens up, and it sounds really wide and, and bigger. Um, you don't have to go crazy light, necessarily. You can do maybe... I think you were at 11s or something, and I I would say go to 10s at least, you know, some, you know, something like that, you know. There's some, depending on how, if you're tuning low or not, there's some things in there that uh, maybe you need a heavier gauge depending on, you know, how you play or, but it, in general, it, watch the Rick Beato video. Very interesting. The other thing I would say, you know, there's a difference between recording and playing live. So if you're, I mean, if you enjoy playing a heavier gauge string live, you know, that's cool. But when you're recording, you know, that's when it might make a difference. Well, all I'm saying is experiment with it if you'd like. I mean, you know, you, you be the judge of how this sounds, you know, to you. Maybe the tone you're going for isn't what I'm saying, you know. Maybe, maybe the heavy gauge strings are perfect for you. It's all a personal preference, but if you if you watch that video, definitely 
definitely like when he goes down to nines, I think then he goes to eights and stuff. It's interesting how it it opens up and it sounds sudden, bigger. Yeah, it sounds bigger, and the, and the low end isn't kind of congested and stuff. And and um, you know, there was something I've always said for years. Uh, you know, everyone you know for years has coveted the Eddie Van Halen tone. You know, and um, and part of that was the string gauge and the and the tuning. You know, nine to forty string gauge originally, not forty two, nine to forty. Tuned to half step down. And tuned to half step down, which is amazing in itself when you think about that. How floppy that might be. Yeah, <laughs> and it takes a whole different touch. Um, and uh, and you think about that with a stock Marshall cranked, and it makes a lot of sense. The 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 thinner strings tighten up the low end, and it's not so loose. Makes a lot of sense. Just like early days were small frets too. Mm. And that makes a lot of sense too when you think about nine to forty tuned to E flat. Because you've had sixty one hundred frets, you're gonna pull it out of tune just by fretting it. Right. You know? And, and then, then you, you think got... about guys like Iomi and 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 Billy Gibbons and things like that. It's like eight. It's but then better. on the other end of the spectrum, you think of guys like Steve Ray Vaughn. Correct, but that was a whole different thing. He had also single coil pickups, so that's a whole different thing. That's a whole much weaker, much brighter, and and using a whole different kind of amp setup. Great point about the single coil pickups because with the with yeah with with the uh, bigger strings, it's just going to help fatten up the tone. Like a seesaw, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying maybe a telly too, like a thinner sounding telly might benefit from a heavier gauge string. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's, it's, uh, so don't necessarily, you know, I said, generally speaking, the, uh, uh, maybe a lighter gauge than you have will get you a bigger tone. It might not work for the, what you're doing. So don't watch Rick Beato's video. Yeah. Make your own, make your own decisions, you know? Modern Vintage, uh, Brian, can you discuss... Oh, so we t- talked about this already, uh, Modern Vintage, the development of the Grace and what it's based on. Uh, but why Mercury versus Hayboer Transformers? Yeah, the eternal Transformer question, right? I've yeah. seen Dave field one of these every every few weeks. <laughs> um, I've worked with Mercury for... I mean many 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 years you knew patrick he was such a great yeah my new guy um sad he passed away um but they, they make a really solid product that's hand hand wound um they might be the only one um i could be wrong on that but i think they they are um to me their transformers sound the most open the most um accurate um and some people feel different some people think they sound the opposite of that um but all the amps that i've worked in if i replace a transformer with a mercury it's always i think they take a longer time to break in um so the initial listen can be a bit like well that's not i don't think they sound vintage and i agree i think dave has said a lot of times i don't think they particularly sound vintage until they're really broken in 
Um, but yeah, they're the ones that I, I like transformers that are open and uh, really detailed. So those, and to my ear, they've they've gotten me the closest. Hey Bauer is great. Uh, if I want to go vintage, Hey Bauer is great stuff. But yeah, yeah, I always felt. I mean, like I've heard some Mercury's that sound sound fine. They sound good good to me. Um, they're not for me because. I'm shooting for a specific thing, totally. a specific uh, vintage plexi sort of transformer. And although their plexi transformers sound cool, um, they're a little darker than I like. They're 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 definitely smoother and darker than um, than an original. Yeah, um, and, you, and you design the circuit around that, right? So, well, you can sure, sure, yeah. you can sure. Um, it's just not my thing. And and not to mention, they're really a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, they they really charge, yeah, a lot more so yeah. than anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, they do. Yep. So here's your website, um, and Alex Chadwick mm -hmm. says, proud owner of Black Flag number thirteen. Brian, is God damn it. <laughs> I want that. So yeah. this is this is how I uh, first learned about Brian. I was at Chicago Music, Music Exchange, right? And I was there with Steve Stevens, Sammy Bowler, and they were we're going to do a clinic there, some yeah. videos. And we were upstairs, um, and they were showing us some secret vault guitars, shall we say? Mm. Um, beautiful 59 Les Paul that belongs to someone. I won't say who. <laughs> and uh, man, did that sound good. Um, and the amp that was sitting up there was the, the, the black flag and we were playing through it. And I was like, what is that? That's amazing sounding. Just very sort of. Just, I mean, like Marshall meets Supro meets Jimmy page kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Kind of. That reminded me of it just sounded killer, you know, hmm. and uh, and I was like, wow, what is this? I, I got, I kind of want one. <laughs> Tell us about that amp, Brian. Yeah. Were you cranking it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it it roars. I mean, it's a huge, yeah. huge sound from a it's twenty watt, um, two six v six amp that leans British. Um, mm -hmm. It has a voicing switch that you can do more of a of, of a mid scooped American type voicing and or more of a mid forward British kind of thing um, with an Elnico Gold, which pushes that mid range a bit more toward British. Uh, but yeah, in, so that was the third amp in in the lineup. Um, I, I came out with a fifty watt and then like a five watt thing. I needed something middle ground, and I wanted a combo that people could could play a show with and, and be louder than, you know, the drummer. They can, they can keep up with a full band. And a lot of one twelves, 20 watt, they, you know, they can do it. They can be sort of limited. Um, so, you know, what's a lot of, well, actually all of the Carson's products, it's all about versatility and um, a big open 3d sound. So, that black flag is it's a 
big three three dimensional sound that roars. And uh, as Dave said, it yeah, you get some definitely some British Jimmy Page kind of tones from it. Um, actually, the, the first I mean, one. I, I imagine this: we had a '59 Les Paul plugged into it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much better. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> That's it's, true. it's a beautiful sound. Um, the first one I ever made was, it was at, when I was working at Chicago Music Exchange, and uh, Brad Paisley came in, and and uh, he was trying out a bunch of different amps. And um, that amp was sitting there, and he, and he plugged into it, and he's like, I can't believe the sound that comes out of this amp. It's like just huge. Um, and he really, really liked it. I, it wasn't for sale yet. That was like, I just put like the name on it, like an hour before he came in. So, but yeah, people that, that amp gets some great feedback and I really love it. It's, uh, that's cool. Let's talk about some of the other ones. Um, so you also have the warm machine, the warm machine. Yes. Um, People often say, think it's the war machine, but that's what I thought you said earlier. The war machine. Okay. Um, warm being, you know, tube warmth. Um, that was inspired by cranked British amps. The big warmth sound that you get at high volume and you get the brittle anemic sound at the low volumes, you know? So it was just a, a nod to it. It's a big, sort of tube warm British thing, mm. uh, but huge cleans. It's got a, it's got a master volume on it, a post phase inverter master. So you can, you know, you dime that and you take that out of the circuit and you have a, a, a non-master volume uh, amp and uh, it's got really open cleans and a, and a great power tube like um, overdrive at lower volumes too. So yeah, that's the flagship amp actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then you got the blue sky, blue sky. Yep, that's uh, the five water single sixty six. Hmm. Um, blue sky sitting on, you know, sitting on a porch with your telly, but it's big. It's big five watts. It's like it doesn't like a lot of tweed amps in that old sixties, late fifties amps. They'll squish when you crank them. This doesn't. Mm -hmm. squish stays like a really strong you get that that strong 66 overdrive without it yeah, collapsing so well, you're not make, not making it. uh I, i'll make them by special order yeah actually i had somebody reach out to me today and, and asked if i was making them by special order so i will it's just i i make all the amps and it's hard to have inventory of all of them all the time it's just you right know, <laughs> so yeah. i love the look i mean i thank you yeah. what person tolexes these amps because <laughs> that is an utter nightmare yeah that's i gotta see yeah that's true yeah i can imagine when you see it in person you'll really understand why i have a nightmare it is yeah there's a reason companies don't do it <laughs> yes there's definitely a definite reason for sure but you know, oh, it looks I, cool as shit. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I really like the aesthetic of it. You know, it, I like a low profile, clean line. I didn't want a black rectangular box that yeah. everyone has. Um, you know, I, not reinventing the wheel, just 
giving it some nuance, giving it like looks like somebody gave some thought to it. Um, and yeah, sure. people see it and they'd be like, oh, you know, that's Karsten. So without it being this like gaudy <laughs> thing. I like the logo too. Thank so, you. Yeah, the logo's cool. Yeah, logo is cool. It's a CA, but it, it's good. But if you like look at this box, it's like it I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hats off to the person told actually. Yeah, not me. Uh, actually the cabinets themselves for the heads my father makes. Really? Uh, yep. He has a wood shop in Michigan, and that's how we started. Um I hey, I need an amp box this is my design can you build it let's do it and we've been doing it ever since that way the, the combos and cabinets and stuff i have somebody that makes those but the heads all made by my father and then i send them out to get wrapped yeah so it's Super pretty cool. cool that is very cool yeah. uh jay busk that must have been in reference to something else is that the one without tolex i guess so that was to his question about um about the amps that they Levi, all that Levi. Oh, oh yes, that is the one without the Tolex. Gotcha. Okay, little old plexi. Just bare wood. Uh, yeah, the outside has been stripped and then uh, shellacked or uh, varnished or something over the years. Uh, you know, a lot of those amps from the like seventies and era, you know, wound up that way. I used to, uh, I remember a long time ago, I had a 50 watt plexi amp that someone had done that to. And I swear to God, I wish I still had that amp today. It was cool. <laughs> it was really cool. <clears throat> yeah. It, I, I used to love seeing uh, Van Halen with his, yeah. you know, cabs all uncovered, all in the wood. Yep. It just looks super cool. Uh, Zach Wish. Dave and Brian, two of my favorite amp designers out there. Hello, Zach. Hey, Zach. Just wanted to say thanks for all you guys do. Love the show, Mark and Dave. Hey, thank you. Hey, Zach, <laughs> if you're watching, uh, reach out to me because I have a video for you coming up in the near future. Yeah, so, Zach, great, great videos. Yeah. yeah, they're awesome. I don't think I've seen them. Oh yeah, yeah. He makes it. He he did an amazing video on the the SS one hundred V two amp. Yeah. Uh, oh exactly. my god, it was a that. Thank you, Zach. That was an amazing video. I, I probably have seen it. I'm just drawing a blank. Cool. That's cool. Okay. Good player. Good makes cool videos. Awesome. Good. Good to hear about it. Um, Modern vintage. Brian the Grace has the most headroom. Negative feedback of any amp. What about yours changes the amp more than other amps? What is the bright value? The, the bright value, the cap. Well, I mean, this is all secret stuff, right? We'll <laughs> <laughs> eventually uh, learn that nothing is secret. Yeah, I know. That's someone what... takes apart the amp completely and <laughs> puts the whole schematic on the internet. But it doesn't really matter because most people can't build it. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that's why I'm not pedal guys. Uh, people go to schematic and then, you know, oh, I can throw 50 parts together and give my my version of it. Um, and it takes them two weeks to build it. Yeah. And uh, it works. Yeah, the bright cap value is 500 picofarad. Um, 
And yes, it has a lot of headroom and a lot of potentially the negative feedback control. Um, it's a it's a it's a wide range um, outside of the typical range that most people use. So it just and I don't think a lot of amps can handle that range. Um, so, but it does, and it's so it's really flexible that way. So it's fun for people to be able to experiment and change the feel of, of the amp, the response of it. See, now I want to hear a 100-watt one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, well, there's a bunch out there, right? Um, Joe Barisi has one. Misha Mansour has one. Mm-hmm. Weasel's got one. So they're your neighbors, aren't they? Yeah, so to speak, yep. Dweezel's got one. Oh, nice. Dweezel, yeah. He... He's had it for a few years, and he loves the amp. And Dweezel's awesome, and what an amazing player. But he would call me and just say, this amp is like a miracle, ridiculous. And he's playing Eddie Van Halen stuff on it, you know, of course. Um, yeah. And it's it's just amazing. I went to his studio last year that he installed Atmos system in there, and it's like ridiculous. He He put on the original master of Van Halen. Um, he's like, sit here in the, in the, in the, uh, in the seat at the board. Like, okay. He plays, he plays it. And it's eruption, the original master. And it's an Atmos. Like it sounds like Eddie is like breathing down your neck. Incredible. Wow. How did no reverb, nothing added. It's, it's the take. Yeah. So, so cool. Weasel's great. <laughs> wow. Now you make me jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could be there. Um, let's see. Tone Talk. Brian, what's the reason for the black dot or hole cover if that's if that is on the newer Graces? Oh, on the uh the first run of Grace that we did with um that Billy signed the first 50 of them. Didn't have it. And I did another run that did. It's because the chassis had a hole and it needs to get covered. And uh, black is the best color because <laughs> the chassis aren't white. They're off white. So putting a white cover there would look weird. So, yeah, it's just to cover the, uh, the hole there. No tone mystery. Yep. Um, oh, look who it is. Beast Fu, what's up, man? Uh, I we got your question sorted out from the last show. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Dave, can you explain the reason someone had your mod? Had you mod of Sir SL sixty eight? What did changing the filtering and caps do to the sound? Are your amp designs much different? Well, the SL sixty eight is like a, a plexi. You know, it's like a. 100 watt plexi um the person had me uh change the caps on the board to uh to synergy uh i only did one to synergy mustard caps and um from mallory 150s and he and i changed the filtering to an original 12 series filtering so it's a uh, much uh lower filtering on the screens 
and no a balancing resistors like an original one has. Um, it's it, it's interesting what happens, uh, and I think the preamp caps went to a dual thirty three instead of a dual fifty like I had. So it's interesting uh, changing the screen filtering. Very interesting what it does. Hmm. Uh, you would think that the amp would get, like in your head, you would think the amp would get looser. Well, it gets a little spongier, but in actuality, the some of the low end goes away. So in some respects, it actually gets tighter. Mm. It, so it actually gets a little tighter and a little spongier. So um, it it's uh, it, it was really cool doing it to the SL68. I mean, it it sounded. I mean, I compared the two as I before I did it, and it was like better. It was just better. I thought it was better um, mm. for what he was going for, which was you know the total Van Halen kind of thing. <clears throat> I think on that one I might have done a 50k mid pot too for for him. Um, uh, I think I, I only did it once, so I can I remember specifically. Mm. Yep. Okay. Hang on, just one second. I'm going to step away for one second. Okay. This question is for Brian. Uh, Brian, what is the blacked out Carson's Misha Mansour posted like a grace, but for modern metal? Yeah, uh, I knew these questions would come. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I mentioned, Misha earlier, he's he has a grace amplifier, loves it, and uh, Misha's a great player, great guy, and we've um and talking and became you know friends and stuff so he mentioned one time about an amp that had certain characteristics um it's funny so the grace the grace amp was designed for really high gain really articulate um a ton of versatility in a single channel and a lot of metal players Sort of latched onto it. I didn't. I didn't set out to design a metal amp, um, but it makes sense that high gain players, metal players, would, would latch onto it. So talking to Misha, and I'm like, well, what if I, what if I actually wanted to make a metal amp? And that's about all I can say about the amp that he's talking about. Misha posted a picture. Uh, I was at his house, and he posted a picture. He's like, can I share this? on Instagram. And I said, you can share it, but don't put the name on it. And he said, okay, so there's a picture of a, of a Carson's amp and it's all black and people have been asking me about it ever since. And, <laughs> and that's good. And we'll, we'll leave it at that. So. There you go. Leave some mystery. Yeah. Uh, and what speakers do you like best for the grace and the one for Misha? Misha. Uh, Misha uses, we were playing, I think it was a V30 and a Creamback. That sounded great. Uh, really great. Um, the Karsten's cabs that I, the 212s that I do, is is kind of a, the stock speakers. One is a Celestian Elnico, and the other is a Weber Blue Dog Ceramic. So 
which is a little different than what you hear, you know, because I love selection speakers and I, I use them all, you know, with everything. This blue dog, it's sort of their take on a blue, alnical blue, but it's a ceramic speaker and it's higher water. So it's, it's not that at all, but it has a bit of that character. Um, it's a pairing that doesn't really sound like it would work and it just works. It sounds really, really great. And mm. um, so those are the two speakers that are in there. But I love uh, the Creambacks are great. The, the Alnico uh, creams are great. Okay, awesome. Uh, Mr. Anderson, how are you, man? Thank you for the super chat. Hi, all. Brian, could you comment <clears throat> regarding the ideal speaker? Uh, another speaker question for the 100 watt Grace. Well, we just talked about that, right? Um, I have a few 60s and 70s Marshall 4 by 12s loaded with original greenback blackbacks and G1265s. Of those three, what would you choose not taking into account the 25 watt limit? Um, I just heard it through black. Pete Thorne's video might be with black blacks. It is. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. Grace do. Well, that can give you a flavor. Um, 65s in the greenback. I mean, those are that sort of softer, um, mid range, more of a, a vintage lean. It sounds great through it. I mean, it just depends what your, what your flavor, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, all those cabinets should be great. Yeah. Um, some people like four V30s, which can be really, really aggressive. Some people, you know, um, speakers are tough because. It's not really, you have to buy one and then try it. And then if you don't like it, you're like, what do I do with the speaker? You know? Well, I get it. I get why people are asking, but um, they all sound great. Some are softer and more vintage. Some are tighter and more modern, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah. What, it's amazing. You, what is the Friedman's? Two greenbacks and two vintage 30s. It's a classic combo. Uh, works well together in a cab, surprisingly. And I put the vintage thirties on the floor at the bottom. Sure, yeah. It just I my <laughs> concept on that originally was well. It all started how how that all came about was years ago. I had done rigs for Jerry Cantrell. I mean, I'm like in the early nineties, like years ago. Um, and we had come up with a combination that uh, one one four by twelve was greenbacks and one was vintage thirties. At the time, he had a stereo rig going, and it just the blend of the two worked really well together. The two cabs, it's like everything uh, uh, a greenback is missing, sort of in the mid range. The V thirty sort of fills in in the mid range, mm -hmm. and uh, it worked out really well and. So then I, when I was doing the amps, I'm like, oh, why don't I try, why don't I put V30s in the bottom, but I don't want them up by my ear. So I want them down low and, and then, you know, greenbacks on top. And they're like, well, that sounds great. <laughs> and it yeah. gives people two options. They can mic either speaker mm -hmm. or both and blend, you know, gives them some options. And uh, it's turned out to be very popular. People love the cab. So I just have stuck with it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I like other things too. I like Creamback H's are cool in a 412. Yeah. Uh, that's a cool sounding speaker. Um, and 
I mean, you know, the M's have a certain thing about them. Creambacks that are okay. Um, th I mean, there's not that many choices in Celestian World for me. Yeah. Really. Uh, I mean, there's there's only a few, and and tried and true vintage thirties and greenbacks have always been, you know, the thing. You yeah. said you like the redbacks, right? The redbacks I love, and I love in open back combos. Because oh. in an open back combo, generally speaking, it's kind of scoop sounding. You know, generally open back combos kind of sounds kind of scooped, a little big in the bottom, and and it's generally kind of sizzly on top in a, a general sense. And like the red back is a little rolled on the top. Yeah, it'll handle a fifty or sixty watt amp. Uh, pushing it hard because I had a bunch of I used to use creamback M's in in the combos, and I had a bunch of people blow them up, <laughs> like literally just gone. You know, <laughs> it's like, and so I'm like, okay, what's your choice? <laughs> And I love the red back, to be honest. I think it looks cool. <laughs> it's like that maroony red looking. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it looks neat. Um, it's a cool sounding speaker. Some people yeah. say it's a little rolled in the top end, but that, I mean, that's okay in the combo kind of, you know, which turns out in a high gain amp to sound sizzly, you know? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and generally speaking, so when I switched, people were like, oh, you switched, da, 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 da. And everyone that I talked to seemed to say, oh, no, the red back sounds better than the old cream back in the combo. I like it better. So I'm like, okay, great. It has a higher rating too, right? It's 150 watts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to blow it up. No one's blowing yeah. that up, yeah. No. Speakers are more it... prone to blowing up uh, if you're pushing them really hard in an open back cab than a close back. Uh, right. There's more speaker excursion happening. Uh, Jared Ray wants to know when can you mod his Marshall SC20? He reached out a couple times last year and you said check back in the spring. Man, not yet. Uh, there's some old projects that have been sitting here that I'm like staring at. And like, I, if I don't finish these, these people are going to kill me. So I, I really need to finish all this old stuff that I've had for a while. I mean, some of them have just been here forever. Mm. So, I, you know, projects that that uh, shouldn't have taken as long as they have. <laughs> People have been overly patient. Uh, overly patient, but I got, I got, I'm trying to like clean it up and finish them. So, give me a bit more time. It's still spring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dennis Cameron, Mark, have you ever tried a Fender Bass Breaker 15? I have not. I have one here for repair. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I've never tried them. I have one that melted its power transformer. Oh, wow. That's cool. Oh, I don't cool. know what it sounds like yet. Yeah. <laughs> anybody wants to check out Zach's channel, here's uh, Zach's channel. I'll check that out. Yeah. He did a video of the Grace last year, too. It was great. Really great. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> um. So when did the Grace come out? 2020? Uh, like November 1st, I think, 2020. So, yeah, it's been... And then there was the blur of the <laughs> pandemic. 
Yeah, I know. It's like, was it that? Yeah. Yep, that's when that's when it came out, and uh, I'm, you know, everything. Like I said earlier, everything is handmade by me, and so it's limited. You know, I, I make them as quickly as I can. Is um, so if you want one, let me know and uh, you can get, get on the line. Work. Yeah, I, I want to build you one, and I want to build it properly. So, there aren't, when you're hand building things, there's no shortcuts. They're just not. Are there any plans of hiring additional people or uh, expanding at some point? It's a tricky thing. It's it. Uh, I get asked that quite often, and I think it's a it's an easy question to ask, and it's a hard question to answer because hmm. do I want to have an employee? <laughs> How long is that employee going to work for me? Um, you know, there's taxes, there's there's a lot of logistical things. Where do I want, you know, this to happen? And um, you have to train them. Yeah, the training. You know, uh, so it's it's tricky right now. No, um, but we'll see. If you know anybody, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it building them all yourself though gets old after a while. It does. It yeah. does. And then you you start, you start to want to find. How can I make this easier on myself? <laughs> you know, I do and, know. It's it's a it's a tricky balance to. Uh, on the good on the good side is if you make a mistake, it's you making the mistake. <laughs> if uh, the you know the person, wow, that's a big water container. I know. Uh, this is uh, how I stay. Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Yeah. You know, when you, you know, hand wired amps, mm. hand wired amps. Oh boy. I know. <laughs> when you, when you, when you start trying to produce them on a larger scale, oh my. Doesn't scale very well. Uh, it, it, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's a specialized thing, but, you know, I, you know, people make mistakes. They make mistakes. They're, you know, oh, they didn't hit that solder joint quite well enough there. And, you know, that's part of the hand wired amp. Of course, everyone expects everything to be perfect in the hand wired amp, you know, and it's, it, yeah, frankly, it's just not. It's not a perfect science in a hand wired amp. Uh, nothing ever is, no wire is ever quite in the exact same position as it, as it is in another amp. Yeah. There's just, things and their people and people make mistakes yeah well you just need to educate your customers to enjoy the quirks of the inconsistencies or the quirks of the inconsistencies of a hand-wired amp yeah. <laughs> yeah lovely it's like when you get a handmade carving a piece of wood it's like see all the weird latches and stuff yeah imperfection exactly. right imperfection uh yeah that drives me insane but <laughs> <laughs> It drives me insane. Modern Vintage has a question. Thanks for the super chat. Brian and Dave, thoughts on a 4 by 12 with X pattern versus top, bottom, left, and right with different speakers? Is one ideal or does it depend on the speakers? Well, it definitely depends on I the mean, speakers. X pattern is cool, too. I mean, it's I, I just chose a certain thing because I didn't want the vintage 30s up near my ear. X pattern might make more sense. Uh, if you... 
but I just didn't want to hear it that way. You can keep track. And of then Bogner copied it. <laughs> so, really, yeah the uh, the um, what's the the hand wired amp uh, um, the Marshally hand wired amp he does. Um, I don't know right now. But anyway, the cabs for that are uh, are the same thing. Greenbacks in top and vintage thirties in the bottom. And I mean, I know no one holds a patent on this. You know, anyone yeah. can do whatever they want. But exactly. The, um, you know, some things about the amp too that were interesting. Uh. There was a question I just had. Oh, here it is. Uh, do you have some favorite pumpkin songs coming out of the gray so far? Is that what he plays on Silver F? Silver Fuck, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, favorite songs? And all the, all the heavy songs that you're hearing, especially live, um, just they sound... They sound huge, um, and that's the grace. It's his main, his main gain, sound. So songs like "Empires Beguiled," um, those come to mind. Yeah, that sounds great. Silver fuck. Um, yeah, from what I can tell with my ear, yeah, that's what he plays on that uh, live. That's a that's a song from 1993. So, uh, yeah, Helios, right, Dave. Yes, that's correct. Helios. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Anderson, fifty nine at the bottom says, uh, "Is that uh, would you recommend that um, uh, red back in a run twenty combo?" Actually, it might make the run twenty combo really be kind of punchy and cool. Never actually tried it in a twenty watt combo, but um, it would be nice on the top end if you feel it's a little sizzly and. Uh, it's definitely beefy through the mids and in the bass, so that might work out really well in this little tiny combo that's open back. Hmm. I mean, it's a little overkill maybe in wattage, but uh, but so what? Yeah, you're not going to blow it. I mean, people would you know used to use EVs and they use you know put them in in um, in uh, deluxes and things hmm. and you know so I mean, 300 watt speaker and a 25 watt amp, okay. Right, the uh, the blue sky that I do with the one twelve combo. It's an Eminence Tonker. It's a two hundred twenty five watt speaker and a five watt amp. And people are like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I'm like, it's the sound. It sounds the best. Yeah, it sounds good. So fuck it. That's that's. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you want one that sounds good? There's speakers that work really good clean. There's speakers that work really good dirty. That was the only speaker that would do both really really well. That's the winner in that particular amp. In that, in that amp, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, Modern vintage again on your site. It says four by twelves are eight ohms as a standard. Is there a reason for that versus sixteen? And thoughts on stereo cabs? Uh, stereo cat. Well, my my cabinets just have the one in, so stereo cab would be rather difficult with that um eight ohms because i get 16 ohm speakers and i wire them in parallel um 
So the wait. Four by twelve. Alien was a standard. Maybe there's a misprint on the website. Yeah, four by twelve is probably sixteen then, right? Yeah. Or four. Yeah, no, they're sixteen, yeah. Yeah. So standard they're sixteen. So I'll have to correct that if that's if that's written on there. But the eight the two twelves are eight ohms by default. Yeah. Same for me. I used we to get sixteen ohm speakers. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what is it? Oh, I only have an eight. Uh, this won't work. Yeah, I got an yeah, eight. Part, part of me wanted to change that uh, and put eights in the two twelve and wireman series to sixteen, so then it matches up better. And then I'm just like, yeah, but then it's a whole nother palette of speakers that have to be stocked, and and then someone's going to confuse them at some point in time, and I just don't want this to happen. <laughs> I was. I'm amazed how many manufacturers don't put the impedance on the back of their speaker cabinets. I don't know. I, I think Friedman, you write them in marker. I don't know. We have a generally there's a little plate on the back of ours that has it. Although in some years we haven't done that, but I think there's a plate now. Yeah, that has it. Yeah. So I'd be servicing amps and like. What? Let's check it with the meter. Do you know the impedance of your cab? The player's like, I have no idea. I'm like, well. You need to know that, you know. Right. You're going <laughs> to plug an amp into it. No. Uh, Revelry1969 says he, he's had, or she, have had two black flags, and they sell them and keep coming back. They're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for you. Uh, Don't sell them. <laughs> right. Thanks for the support. Simple. Get one, get one more and don't sell it. Yeah, keep it. <clears throat> glad you like it yeah i trust me i i know the the uh routine of buying gear and then selling it and then being like fuck i really miss that <laughs> see i think i'm i'm kind of the opposite i take so long to decide on a piece of gear that i just will never sell it because i'm emotionally attached to it yeah um yeah wow. uh, anymore i just i don't know I, i've kept what i really love and then, uh, and then, I, but I can build anything I want, really. So it's it's like ah, you know, true. Know. Well, from, that's from an amp perspective. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, my fifty watt plexi that I have—that's never going anywhere ever. I love it. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's a yeah. early, early, early sixty-nine. Yeah. I have a, I, I, you know, I have, well, you've been here. I have, I've have a, a brown, um, brown face bandmaster with the uh, harmonic tremolo. And that tremolo just sounds so good. There's never any, in, never ever sell that. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I have a, a high watt PA head converted by Stevie Fryat to be. Uh, his favorite DR one hundred three circuit. Now it's being immortalized with Joe Barisi, uh, oh, yeah. making Joe's high watt sound like that one. Mm. <laughs> and uh, you know that's that's killer sounding. That came out so good, I couldn't even believe it. Um, because it's a, the the PA head was the same transformers and everything as a one hundred three. You know, so it was same chassis actually. It's just the front panel is different. And um, and since he was the high watt expert, yeah, put your favorite in here. 
and it came out so good. Then he he says, "Can I borrow that back?" <laughs> that one's great. I mean, I have a Jose Marshall that I will probably sell to someone, maybe if they really want it for a lot of money. But um, it's great. I don't need to have it. I can build it. <clears throat> um, I don't know. Those are the things that I really want to keep. Mm. Yeah. Um, Dave, do you find this is from L. Scott Music? That do you find that since you can build anything you want, you don't get around to building what you want? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way in hell I build anything for myself ever. Do you keep? The I, I can't. I can't even build a pedal board for myself. <clears throat> do you keep the prototypes? Uh, so what I have been doing, not the original ones, I don't have any of like the really old ones, but as of in recent times, when a new amp, I make sure I keep the first article, sort of the first one when I do the prototype and then they use it for a sample for a minute, but I take it back and I I make, I make sure I keep it now. Mm, That's cool. So I'm, I'm I'm slowly amassing a bunch of Friedman amps. Oh, you should own. You should have them. Yeah, my prototypes they're they're uglier than the production ones, right? So people are like, can I borrow? I'm like, yeah, that's the prototype though. It's like the wire's different and the it's you know looks like shit. <laughs> so if you want, and so I want to have one handy for somebody to actually use a production one, but I can't do that because people want to buy them <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah this is why i'm keeping mine now because like uh, for loners <clears throat> yeah uh, it's just like oh yeah okay i got that i got you know like yeah i can loan you this i can loan you that i can do that you know <clears throat> yeah i don't have any time to build myself anything are you kidding yeah, people yeah. ask me. I have I have a bunch of emails to answer every day, all day long, <laughs> seven days a week. Yeah, Ben Coombs, I've owned the exact same rat pedal three times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know the feeling. Yeah. Uh, now I'm not a rat fan, so I would definitely sell it and it would be gone. It would never come back again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a rat fan either. <clears throat> um, I never owned that. Now to think of it, Billy Corgan might really dig coming on Tone Talk, mostly to talk about other tones he loves since he's such a big fan. Yeah, I'd love to have him on the show. Yeah, he he uh, is a wealth of knowledge, and he's got a really good ear. So, yeah, really passionate. Uh, hopefully, he can come on one day. <clears throat> um. Let's see, Joe Robin. I've got Michael Nielsen's twin sister modded Shirley head. Serial number is demo. Was that a prototype of some sort or like a NAM show demo? I think this was just built for Michael Nielsen, right? Uh, no, I think it was um, one I had that was a proto or something of some sort. Can't quite remember. It was a That's demo the, unit I had. It's and your prototype. And then I, it, I mean, it's not anything like crazy prototype. It was a, I think it was just a demo unit I had that I made the tweaks and Michael bought and then he sold. 
Gotcha. Uh, what guitars is Billy playing? I I don't recall. I just saw them on tour. Well, not just it was like like eight months ago, and he yeah. was playing. He was playing the Grays, but I don't know what guitars. <clears throat> you, you know, uh, his signature Reverend. Oh, okay, that's right. You know, which is uh, it's really cool. Some some uh, you know musician rock stars when they get endorsed by something, they put their name on it and they. They use it sometimes, but not really. He, man, he uses that guitar all the time. Um, those reverends. They, well, he's got two signature reverends now. Yeah. And a Yamaha acoustic. So. When did ads start playing during live shows? I just had one interrupt the show. Wow. I have no idea. I, pr I promise I didn't, I didn't change any settings. I don't know. Huh. Um, that is strange though. Uh, let's see, I'm just checking to see any other questions. So how long have you been living in Chicago and what part, what part of Chicago are you like in the city or are you outside like this? It's just outside on the West side. Um, I lived in the city for, I don't know, 13 years or something like that. And, um, yeah, so got a little girl and needed to to get her into a school. And uh, if you've ever lived in a city and tried to get your child into a school, <laughs> a good oh, school. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we moved just a few miles west, and um, not to the far burbs. Or anything. I couldn't, I couldn't do a a far suburb. I'd go crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So we're just west of the city here. Yeah, it's great. That's cool. I haven't been to Chicago in a while. It's been a long time. I'd like to go back. Um, Tom Raines, uh, Ryan, do your amps have line outs for recording? They do not. Um, no loops either. Uh, optional loops now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know last time we spoke, I was ranting and raving about that i think um no line outs i don't i mean if people convince me that it's a valuable enough feature to to go through the trouble um so a big part of my philosophy is is less is more and that doesn't mean screw you i'm building it my way i'm, I'm going to you know have one knob and that's it it just means to simplify and and uh, if anything is in the way that's going to affect the tone in any way that I can hear, um, I tend not to put it in the amps. If line, so, you know, line outs is another thing, but the effects loops, I couldn't come. I, there was not a loop that I could not tell when it was on and it bothered me very much. And I could build it and put it in an amp, but, my heart would not be in that amp, and I can't sell, sell that amp. So. so what changed? Six months of effects loop trial and error, and I came up with a design that I'm happy with. Um, and it's an add-on. So I still, it's not a standard feature. If somebody wants it, they can they can do it and add it. Um, but, I mean, I don't want somebody paying for something they're not going to use. So I found that. Initially, when like with the Grace amp, 
um, people would ask, can I get a loop or does it have a loop? And I would say, maybe. My answer was usually not no. It was maybe. Explain to me why you think you need a loop. And they would, as they were explaining it to me, they would talk themselves out of needing a loop. And so it never challenged me enough to go through the trouble of doing it um, until it did. And then <laughs> I went through yeah. the trouble of doing that. So. Hmm. Um, yeah. And Tom says, follow up. I only ask because that's an important part of what I need. You can always get a line out box. It's an easy thing. Uh, when you say line out, are you talking about a cabinet emulated line out? Or are you talking about a line out? Line out is very easy. Um, yeah. But a cabinet emulated line out is a whole different thing. Hmm. Which is, the Freemans have the cabinet emulated, right? Uh, on a few of them. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the runs, yeah, but you know the 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 um, the 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 term line out has changed over the years. So line out used to be from Mesa Boogie days and everything. It was a just a, a full range line out that you you would slave to a power amp or effects or different mm-hmm. things like that. So you could do a wet dry or wet dry wet thing mm-hmm. or things like that. But you know over the years people kind of lost uh, what that even is. I don't even know. And um, and then it's like, well, can I just plug this directly into the console without a load on the amp? No, 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 no. <laughs> don't no, do that. Right. <laughs> so, define. Uh, Modern Vintage, Brian, what did you say earlier about keeping track of different volumes with different speaker layouts like X-Pattern? Uh remember saying anything about volume but um oh keep i, I was saying keeping track of what speakers what if you have an x pattern i if i had one i'd be like i i don't know what speaker that is i i don't I, remember if it's yeah, uh, greenback yeah. is on the right or is on the left i don't yeah. know yeah that's a good point you'd have to really get the market on your cabs market on your, maybe the back of the cab the p-touch yeah. label and your handle on the side yeah there you go yeah, and then you can remember. <laughs> and can you utilize a loop for a line out purpose? What what's the application of the line out purpose? Define the application. Maybe. This is what you're talking about. Again, we have to we have to know more. Right. Fill in fill in the blanks. So people are seeing ads during the live video. Interesting. Must well, be a I new would, thing. Yeah, um, I it would be a good way to make a couple bucks. Oh you know, yeah, I mean, you know, I that's more money. <laughs> I understand the frustration about you know watching the videos, and you have. I, I will tell you because I just recently stopped for a month. I was like, you know, and I want to stop my subscription to YouTube Premium. Just you know, I was like, oh um, yeah, no, forget that. I have the YouTube Premium. Thank you. So I was going to say ad blocker is your friend, as Zach Sabbath said. I haven't seen a YouTube ad in six years. You, you got to get the YouTube premium. Yeah. And uh, it sucks. It's $15 a month. But if you watch. I don't even, know, I don't even know what credit card it bills. Any, I, you know, the problem with all these things is like. Yeah. Well, you, I know. Don't even, you don't even see it. Right. It like goes to your credit card and you're like, you, you pay your credit card and you don't even know. 
Yeah. I, well, I went through everything just recently. I was like, I want to know, like I just listed it all out. Hulu, Netflix, Apple, this, that, you know, I just wanted to see how much am I laying out and all this crap. And I was like, all right, what can we cut out more than cable? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. It's so stupid. You, you know. cut the cord, make it cheaper. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't the same. <laughs> you can't get rid of cable. But yeah, it's just crazy how everything adds. Well, up. I don't. I mean, I don't have cable. I mean, you don't have cable. I, I have. I have cable internet, but that's it. I don't have any cable service. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I cut, I know. I cut the cord a long time ago. You're doing it like the kids today. <sighs> yeah, I mean, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, all the, yeah, yeah, but then you subscribe to all the channels and then it winds up being as much as your cable. Right. So, you the eight foot uh, dish in your backyard. I remember that. All those things. Yeah. Those huge dishes that you could like lay in. <laughs> I, I'm definitely old enough to remember that. I still have a dish attached to my house. I have direct TV. So, yeah, we don't have any of that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm getting rid of it as soon as my son goes off to college in two months two months next month it's crazy um yeah we're gonna cut the cord and choose what you're gonna watch or choose what apps yeah you, you know yeah i think that's what we're gonna, we're gonna have <clears throat> Screw it. frankly with netflix and hulu and oh shit there's a ton more though oh it's just it's it's endless, paramount prime yeah <clears throat> amazon prime yep yeah, Paramount Network. Yeah, that's kind of important these days. So. Uh, here, let's see. Bill L. For recording, I think it's best to get a load box like the Captor X or Sure Reactive Load. Yeah. Sure Reactive Load. Not only can you use every, every amp, it also captures a tone app after the power amp. Yep. Yeah, I, I love my Captor X. And I use it. As a matter of fact, I was trying to that's why I was saying earlier about, you know, guys like Michael Nielsen and Pete Thorne who mic up their own cabs and everything. I was trying to mic up my own cab versus using the Captor X. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I just, I, uh, accept that hard. No, I just, it didn't sound as good. It just didn't sound as good as using a, an IR, yeah. like, you know, so. I don't know what I was doing wrong for whatever reason. Um, maybe my 57 wasn't that good. You well, know. you know, a lot of times what it comes down to is like, you know, like you're using the UA mic pre's and stuff. And, and, you know, when you, when you have really good gear, it makes that job much easier. Right. You know, I mean, I have like a, Renable API sitting in front of me that I'm talking through. You wasting it on this, but yes. <laughs> and you know, all sorts of good stuff. So right. Right. Yeah. I didn't even mess with like the type of yeah. preamp that the you know that it makes it a big difference. Also, I mean converters make a big difference. Everything makes a big difference. So yeah. And they know how to use all that stuff. So mm -hmm. um let's see. What about the way you listen to music? Is it do you put as much thought into that? To listen to music? Yeah. Uh well I mostly use it coming out of my monitors, you know, yeah. on the computer. So uh I used to be much more into it, like more of an audio file. 
yeah, that's know, have a have a receiver and speakers and everything, but I've gotten yeah, rid of. I love me a good old receiver. Oh, me too. I just, <laughs> like, you know, like an old Marantz or something with some good set of speakers and a uh, you know a nice turntable. <clears throat> I don't. I I I'm not one to go crazy, like audiophile crazy. I just think all that stuff that used to be standard uh, standard yeah just sounds better i mean yeah. i mean good old you know those big wooden marantz receivers and stuff those sound amazing yeah. you just put them into any good set of passive speakers and you're just like well that sounds great yeah with any turntable you know it doesn't have to be a crazy stylist or anything yes i know you can get much better of course you you can you can go insane you can spend ten thousand dollars on your turntable if you'd like but uh, I, I just, I, I remember as a kid growing up with, with records and, and, and these kind of receivers that it just sounded good. And sure enough, I mean, I plug it in today and we're like, yep, that just sounds good. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's a warmth to it. Yeah. Yeah. Vinyl, a turntable, a, a cool old receiver and some speak passive speakers. Hmm. Yep. Uh, as Richard says, people listen to music much differently these days than 30 to 50 years ago. Yeah. And MP3s through ear pods. Oh, yeah. Wireless ear pods. Sounds just like what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds just the same. Exactly. Uh, Christian Daniel. Dave, the Fuzz Fiend and Motor City Drive sound great. Have you thought of making them without tubes and compact? Any future pedals in the works? Thanks. Uh, well, no, because they're tube pedals, and like, um, I can't really do that. Not really. So no, and they're discontinued too. So, so you have them, keep them if you love them. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we found an interesting thing: tube pedals don't sell. <clears throat> they as historically don't sell well, actually. It's interesting. Uh, it's weird, right? Yeah, it's a weird thing. Having two dozen, you mean? I, historically, for every company, two pedals don't sell well huh. compared to, like, say, a normal pedal. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I thought, I thought that too. But they were cool pedals for sure. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, no, I'm not making confusion. <laughs> There's two. Uh, John Gormas, I, I agree. I think a lot of guys still do this. I listen to all my mixes in my in my car, as my ears know that sounds. So money goes to the car system. But you, you know, I, I even heard Eddie Van Halen would go do that. Would run to his car and go listen to the mix in his sound system. Oh yeah, I've experienced that with him. Yeah, <laughs> how cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's the best way to listen to a mix is going. I also anywhere. drove with him once. Oh yeah, utterly okay. frightening. <laughs> what what car? Uh, in his um, V twelve Mercedes. Oh sweet. <laughs> um, he was an utterly insane, crazy good driver, <laughs> but boy did he like to go fast. So, um. Driving with him was like, I'm going to die. 
I'm gonna die tonight. I'm dying right now. I'm gonna <laughs> die. That that was your your feeling as you were clutching the anything in the car to hold on. <laughs> wow. Uh, another ad interruption. I hope Tone Talks revenue is going up. Well, that's interesting. I don't know what I don't know what's going on, guys. So I'll check out the the uh, settings and see if I did anything. Uh, wonder if EVH and Sammy went driving together. I think they did, definitely. Oh, probably for sure. They live right near each other, so and they were always going down those windy Mulholland, Mulholland Drive Road, right? Uh, oh, Joe Robin said, "Are there any new pedals in the works? Could be, <clears throat> could be." Okay, all right. Uh, which master volume mod is the best for an early seventies Marshall fifty watt? Lamar or Trainwreck Type Three? The same thing. Essentially, essentially, it's the same thing. Exactly, except it doesn't have the two point two meg resistors uh, strapped across it for safety. I mean, there's no difference. <clears throat> okay maybe a slightly uh, different value uh is that the best one uh, there, there's another one i like that's kind of interesting but um i have to kill you if i tell you <laughs> <laughs> hey i wanted to ask you can you mod um a little sister to do what have a little more, more bit more gain no <clears throat> no no not supposed to have more gain <laughs> you should run it at six on the <clears throat> game no more really yes never anymore well, that's I... the way it, that's the way it's really supposed to be it's not supposed to be a high gain amp but it sounds good <laughs> with more gain Okay. All right. So I'll try no. it with six. Okay. All right. No. No. <laughs> well, fuck it. I'll just throw a pedal through it. Damn it. I mean, it has as much. It has as much gain as like a Jakey Lee amp. Does it? Yeah. Okay. The circuit's very similar, actually. Which which side? The high gain one. Really? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Bucks and boost into the little sister. Do that. That'll be good. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you've got my bucks and boost. <laughs> so <laughs> when I get it. Um let's see. Put that on a t shirt. You should run it at gain six at max. I mean, it, that amp is supposed to be more vintage and lower gain. It's not supposed to be a high it. gain amp. I get it. And and uh, you should have pink taco if you wanted a higher gain. No, I, I just used the BE one hundred, like the and the Dirty Shirley two and the Twin Sister six. six. Okay, that's All right. the whole that's the whole thing. It's supposed to be that just slightly broken up, punchy classic thing. Right, that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, Joe Robin, anybody try out a Doctor Z 
Kaz 45? I have not. Maybe my next purchase. No, but I had a Maz 18 through here that actually was really cool. I had never heard one in, in, in person, and some guy wanted me to check it out because he thought it was broken. It wasn't broken. Um, I thought it sounded really cool. Yeah, I don't know uh, Brian, can you make a custom Apollo Overdrive? Any plans for another run from Modern Vintage? Um, the Apollo Overdrive, I did a pedal. Uh, well, I did a pedal many, many, many years ago when I worked at a different shop under a different name called the Apollo. And then I, people kept bugging me about it for years and years and i decided to do another short run of them um under a Car carson's amplification uh brand no plans to do another run um you know why not I have an amp guy make pedals it's just have someone else make the pedals yeah maybe that way but all my components are massive and <laughs> they involve tubes and transformers those pedals were handmade and I was like tr doing traces, you know, just really time consuming, not worth, you know, the 50 bucks or whatever you make on a pedal. So um, no immediate plans. If, if people bug me enough for it, um, maybe I'll consider it, but I don't know. Pedals are tough. It's a really saturated market in a lot of ways. And I don't know how long people will be pedal crazy, but it's gone on longer than I thought. So, but thanks it, for asking. It doesn't seem to be ending. That's for sure. <clears throat> it does not. I agree. Uh, Taylor Brown, Brian, what was it like working with Billy Corgan on the Grace? Yeah, mm -hmm. we didn't really ask about that. Um, what was it like working with Billy? Mm -hmm. You know, he he's notoriously has uh, kind of a reputation, I think. Um, so, how was it working with him and and stuff? Because it seems like you've known him for a while. Yeah. Um, we crossed paths a bunch of times over the years, and then I started doing actual work for the Pumpkins and then for Billy specifically, um, starting with Jeff and, and then and working with Billy. But, you know, he's been nothing but the most gracious person to work with. Um, the fact that he liked the product he's never had a signature amplifier in 30 years he's had signature guitars and mm -hmm. works with pedal companies and uh he liked it so the grace so much that he decided to partner with you know somebody like me who's just really small production and, and handmade like it's not a money maker for him and and uh he did it because he said, I want to support you. I love what you do. And I think it's great. I think you're really talented. So, I mean, that tells you a little bit about him. Mm -hmm. character. Um, yeah. He's, he's got a, a reputation for being hard to work with. I've never encountered that. Um, he's re he has really high standards. Um, I also have really high standards, so we're okay. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been nothing but gracious. Fantastic. And in I mean Billy, he's 
he's a huge reason, huge, huge reason why I even play guitar. So it's really, really cool, you know, as somebody who picked up the guitar because of him and Kurt Cobain um, when I was 13 years old that, I mean, 30 years later that I designed his his only signature amp ever. It's it's really, really cool. Oh, yeah, man. That's yeah, super it's, cool. It's a very, very big accomplishment. Absolutely. Yeah. You should be proud. And, uh, you know, it's a really, very cool thing. I mean, I yeah. remember, sorry, they go ahead. Don't meet your heroes, right? They say, and so it it can be tricky um, if you want to meet your hero and you, you might not want to, but it's it's worked out well. <laughs> you were saying? Oh, I, I don't even know. Um, yeah, that's, that's just great. Oh, I was saying, uh, I remember getting Smashing Pumpkins' first album, uh, Gish. I love that album. I still mm-hmm. listen to that album all the time. Yeah, just Jimmy Chamberlain's drumming on that album is fantastic. It's just you know, it's like that was like some of my top '90s albums. You know, Gish, uh, the Jane's Addiction albums, of course. You know, Temple of the Dog, uh, some of the Pearl Jam stuff, obviously Nirvana. Yeah, like a a whole '90s night. So. those guys were, were amazing. Actually, speaking, of, we spoke of Rick Beato earlier. He was he's had a few of those '90s, you know, guys on in the last couple of months. Um, yeah, Matt Cameron and Chris Novoselic and Butch Vig and Billy. It's really cool hearing Rick talk about people like Lane Staley and people like Chris Cornell and Kurt and Billy the melodies that they wrote were just amazing. And that's why this music is, is lasted and people are still so enthusiastic about it. It's great, great melody writers, great mm-hmm. songs. It's hard. It's really hard to do. Um, yeah. To make something unique and that hasn't been done before. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, I'm so glad, uh, not that I'm an Ed Sheeran fan, but I am so glad that Ed Sheeran <laughs> won that case. You know, I heard about it was getting ridiculous with these lawsuits. You know, um, anyway, you hear about that, Dave? I have no idea. No, nope. So, yeah, (laughs) Ed Ed Sheeran's a pop artist, you know. Yeah, I know who he is. Okay, yeah. So, he was being sued by one of the writers from uh, what uh, Marvin Gaye's uh, Let's Get It On. Oh, okay, and they were claiming that. One of Ed Sheeran's songs was a ripoff of it, and I mean, besides the beat and maybe the basic chord structure, there's mm-hmm. nothing, nothing the same. So it was kind of bullshit. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, I love this podcast. Well, thank you, appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. You know, sometimes sometimes you're talking and you're like, does anybody really give a shit what I'm saying here? I love how we we have all these fancy we have all these fancy names on here, you know, Spartan Special Custom Deluxe and like, you know, all these <coughs> things. And then we have Joe. Right. <laughs> Keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. Just Joe. Uh let's see. 
Yeah, what is this, six years or something? How long have you guys been doing this? It's been six years. Was it? It's crazy. Really a long time. How, how many How many episodes now? 100 and what? 136. 136. <laughs> yeah. A lot of damn episodes. It is. That's a lot of hours. That is a lot That's of a hours. A lot of hours. Oh, in this chair, which I have worn out. I actually have to get a new chair after all these years. It's time for a new chair because I've worn this fucker out. It's a few uh, more ads. What's that? There's a few more ads. You'll you'll have the budget. Yeah. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> Where did these ads came from? Uh, question for Brian. What are some of your favorite amp tones from players over the years? It's a great question. Yeah. Um, that's that's like almost an impossible question to answer, but um, it's tough. You know. The song "Grind" by Allison Chains, Jerry Cantrell's tone yep. is insane. So syrupy on that. Um, oh gosh, I mean, Siamese Dream is an amazing record for tone. Um, yeah, I mean, pumpkins have a lot of great tones. Um, Super unknown. Uh, you know. To stay, gosh, what else is there? Those those immediately come to mind, you know. Um, Steve Albini's done some great, great. If you like a raw kind of tone, um, I don't know. What about you guys? What comes to your mind? I mean, everyone's going to say Van Halen, right? Well, we, we yeah, of course, yeah. Of course you're gonna you're gonna get that um you know like okay you know from the 80s era when i was growing up so you know you had of course eddie van halen always you know up through 1984 uh you know um ty Tabor from king's x and the gretchen goes to nebraska record specifically mm. that was that was great uh George oh, Lynch yeah. under lock and key was great from that era. Um, Warren D. Martini, lay it down. Anything Warren D. Martini was great. John Sykes was great. Um, <clears throat> a moving, you know, moving, moving ladder, you know, yeah, Soundgarden stuff, Allison Chains stuff, mm. crushing. Yeah. All of it was crushing. Um, specifically those two. Yeah. Although there was a lot of good stuff from the nineties. There's some Jimmy Page tones from long ago that I love, some Aerosmith stuff that I love that were just classic, you know, things. Um Bad Company too, just some killer, you know, if you're going way back, you know. Um man, um I'm sure I'm forgetting all sorts of them. As I'm thinking, I even love I even love some of the Nirvana the sounds that were had. You know, um, uh, Billy Duffy bass bass sound. Uh, Billy Duffy from Electric <clears throat> record, I think, and Love also. Mm -hmm. uh, very different. Um, the bass sound from Filter. <clears throat> uh, nice shot or Hey Man, nice shot, whatever. Oh, Bass yeah. sound at the beginning of filter, fuck. <laughs> that was good. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And actually the guitars too. I mean, the the songs and the record, the record was amazing. Short bus. Uh, I would give this definitely Steve Clark on High and Dry. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, I'm, like I said, like I'm going to forget all all the ones, you know, that I, I want to say and people will come up with them. I agree with that totally. Yeah. High and Dry is a fucking ACDC too. Yeah. I can, back in Black. I mean, classic. Everything on the whole record sounds great. For those about the rock. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. You know, just killer tone. And Mike Campbell is definitely. Mike Campbell's cool. Uh, Keith Scott from Brian Adams had amazing tones over the years um totally drawn a blank brian may also you know that's Mm -hmm. a whole different like his own created his own yeah sort of tone completely um Um, i like the weird um sabbath's first record when what is it the wizard oh yeah that's a good one like it's it's that super group turned up but it's it's like just edge of break or no it's, it's not the distortion that i love it's the openness that i love and same mm-hmm. with like hendrix when he plays clean yeah. it's mm-hmm. like the you can see the you can see the note it's so yeah. owned, you know sure i, I mean that. it's it's kind of endless yeah it's a much harder question uh what great tones were created after the year 2000 <laughs> well yeah. <clears throat> no, I, well, maybe not. Uh, uh, you know, Allison Chains later came back. When they came back, Black Gives Way to Blue Record has amazing guitar tones on it. Yeah. So, I, you know. But, you know, it was downhill. It was slowly downhill after, you know, after like not Alice, but I mean, guitar tones in general. I mean, just like, I, you know. Yeah. I might be forgetting something, but you know, it was not the heyday, you know, after you know, uh, I, the I advent of the boogie rectifier kind of <laughs> kind of also Yeah, there was a lot of that. Yeah. Kind of crush the uniqueness of <laughs> guitar tones. Jake's tone on Bark at the Moon. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, it's that's cool great. too. Yeah, I have to say I'm not really a big fan of super low tune guitars with well gain. I think okay. that's part of the problem. Uh Billy Howardell, Perfect Circle, Meredith Norm's record, amazing sounding, and that's a low tune guitar. Hmm. Yeah. C sharp. That's a beautiful record. That yeah. record sounds amazing. Hmm. Not heard it. Okay. The vocal perfect circle, Meredith in arms. You never heard that? Mm. Oh my god, buy go get it. Okay, Just listen to it. That's an amazing mm. record. Okay, uh, Brad Guitar Man in Texas. Dave, did you ever work with Monty Ronnie Montrose? Nope, never have. Hmm. With a lot of other people, but not, not him. That first Montrose album, I think I've forgotten half the people I've worked with. Every once in a while, I'm like. Oh yeah, I did a rack for him. <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> Tim Connors, thank you. Hey guys, I heard from a local amp tech to stop running amps through my Tunos Live and KHE amp switches because they are destroying my board and uh, 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 wait, wait. I'll transformer. Uh, is it true? I run sixteen amps through them exclusively. Uh, no. 
there's nothing wrong with the KHE amp switcher at all. It does everything properly. I have one sitting here. I use KH. Yeah, not the, not that other one. Like the, uh, yeah, KHE. No, that's make sure that's the right one. <laughs> um. The uh, that's fine. The two notes load. I don't know. I haven't heard anyone have problems with the two notes load. Uh, no, the K KHE is the good one. Yeah, the uh, Kahean or Kahean one is a little weird. But the uh, KHE has done everything right. No issues with how they're doing switching or anything. Um, I mean, your the two notes should be fine. All the, all the two notes is is a resistive load, and then it has a little high end bump with a coil, so it's really not it's not a true uh, like the sur is a, a true actual um, reactive load, fully reactive load. The two notes is reactive, but it's only reactive on the top end. It doesn't do the bump in the low end, which actually probably makes it even safer to be honest. Because the impedance that the rest of it is at is proper. So no, I wouldn't think so. I think the the problem that a lot of people have is their amps aren't serviced really well. And then they wind up cranking these amps in, into these devices. And if the amp's not serviced well, I, I'm sure Brian can attest to this, they're going to blow them up. And uh, if an amp's serviced well, it's going to run on 10... You know, until the tubes fail eventually, but they should last. <laughs> I mean, I have amps that I've had forever. Mm. Have old tubes in them. Work great. Yeah. Okay. You know, but they have to be serviced well. Yeah. And that makes sense. Uh, Michael Nielsen says the first two per perfect mm. circle records are amazing. I'll, yeah. have to, I'll have to check them out. Yeah. Besides, we want to have Billy on the show. Who? Billy Howardell. We want to oh, have okay. him on the show. Definitely. Okay. Great records. Awesome. All them times. Um well, I think we've gotten through all the questions. Uh, so Brian, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great. I'm pleased to be here, guys. I really appreciate the uh the invite and Oh, yeah. Some guy said, uh, Daniel Keplinger said, Judas Priest Firepower has great guitar tones. I yes, agree. That's I a good record. That. Was that the newer, the new last? Judas that was record. like a few years ago. It actually has really good guitar tones. He's just right. Absolutely. That is a good album. I, I think some of Slash's tones that he did with. Uh, yeah, that's true, too. Recent years with uh, Miles Kennedy. He's got some yeah. really good tones. Um, I, I think. Pete Thorne's tone on his first album. On that video he did of mine, just perfect. No. Yeah, the one he did, the video he did of yours, perfect tone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so, we can just keep going with this. And then, you know, somebody brings up the question of favorite riffs. You could keep it keep it going. Oh, we'll be going all night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll end it here. C.C. DeVille's tone, any record. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's 
No. Or one of my first, I think Open Up and Say Ah was one of my, that might be my first cassette I ever bought. Oh, boy. I mean, I, you know. Had an appetite. I think it was those two. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Rocket Queen has, yeah, it does. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. And make sure you guys check out Karsten, Karsten's Amplification. Uh, his That's karstensamplification.com. You can see all his amps, uh, what he's got for sale, all the different brands, or excuse me, the different models. And um, reach out to Brian through the website, I guess, if you're interested in getting his amps. Like Dave, I answer all the emails. So, and uh, There you go. The next time I'm I'm in LA, I'll bring you something without an insect in the bottom of it. <laughs> well, I drank that. That's well. <laughs> you got a little little tequila. I did drink it. It was actually okay. Was Good. it mezcal? It yeah, it was mezcal. <clears throat> yeah, it was actually okay. I might have mixed it with something in the end. I think I was mixing it with something. It was it was it was good. Cool. It was cool, good. Man. It was good. <laughs> Very nice. Well, it's, 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 you stay in Koreatown. You're going to the wrong liquor store, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but it was actually surprisingly good. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. glad. Yeah. <laughs> Our next uh, show is with John, which I can't get his last name, um, from Blackbird Studios in Nashville. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So That is a cool place. Yep. And that is going to be um, May 19th. We're doing that. May 19th. I think it's May 19th. Yeah, May, May 19th. 19th. It's two, not next Friday, but the Friday after. So, yeah. Wait, I said that was okay, right? Yeah, I did. You did say that was okay. Yeah. Yep. The, wor- the worst thing, someone asked me, can we do a show in this date? I'm like, uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> let me check. <laughs> then I asked my wife. Right, I was going to say let's check the boss. He's like, is there anything we had going on in that day that I've forgotten about completely? <laughs> oh, John McBride. Yeah, John McBride. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have John McBride. He's he's got a, a whole online course coming out that he wants to promote, and uh, we're going to talk about his studio and all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah, looking forward good. to that. So that'll be a good one. Watch out for that. And um, like I said, check out Karsten's amplification. Brian, hang on while we say goodbye. Cool. And uh, everybody, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.